0: Good evening. evening. The title of this evening's lesson is My Disciples, and it's taken from the book of Luke, chapter 14, and verses 25 through 33. Luke 14 and 25 through 33. And it reads as follows. Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going to make war against another king, does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000, or else while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So likewise, whoever of you does not forsake all that he has cannot be my disciple. This evening's lesson is divided into three parts. The circumstance, the commitment, and the counting. The first part is the circumstance. In our text this evening, Luke tells us that great multitudes had begun to follow Jesus. There is little doubt that this particular crowd had both enemies and friends of our Lord. Some were probably attracted by curiosity. There were some who were drawn by the hope of becoming popular or maybe even famous. But did they have any idea of the cost of discipleship? Were they prepared for all that it required? What the Lord is doing here is separating the fair-weather follower from the true disciple. I'm sure we can all relate to this type of person. Their loyalty is based on nothing more than emotion or self-promotion. When a relationship is built on things like feelings, curiosity, popularity, or fame, you can bet that it's not going to last very long. Our Lord was separating those who would be tossed and turned by the first sign of trouble from those who would be steadfast and true. Even before the Great Commission, our Lord was laying the groundwork for what discipleship was all about. Remember what happened in Matthew chapter 8 and verses 18 through 22. It states, And when Jesus saw great multitudes about him, he gave a command to depart to the other side. Then a certain scribe came and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Then another v- disciple said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. But Jesus said to him, Follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. And in Luke chapter 9, verses 61 and 62, it says, And another also said, Lord, I will follow you, but let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Now Jesus knew that his life on earth was coming to an end. Knowing that, the Lord was determined to make it clear what he expected of those who would follow him. In view of his own self-sacrifice, he was eager at the end to make it known to the multitudes what serving him truly signified. Complete self denial. A real, not a romantic or sentimental taking up of the cross. Unfortunately, Jesus could see that many of these men and women were unwilling to live up hip to his expectations or share in his high purpose. The second part of our lesson is the commitment. Jesus insists that nothing but first place in the minds of his followers must be offered unto him. He must be put before any member of our family. All of our relationships are to be placed below him. No love of home or earthly affection must ever compete with our commitment to our Lord. If there is ever a time when our earthly affections collide with the Lord's cause then these affections must be gently put aside and sacrificed for his cause. Many of those Jews who became followers of our Lord's had to do just that. This is reflected in what Jesus had to say in Matthew chapter 10 and verses 34 through 36. Our Lord said, do not think that I have come to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. Jesus claims first place because in our many relationships, he is the most important part of each. Within these multitudes would be those followers of Jesus who would be truly committed These would walk away from friends, family, warmth, security, often causing them extreme disappointment and the deepest sorrow, while at the same time being compelled to forget self, to forget their own wants and desires, some to the point of being very unhappy at times, and some paying the ultimate price with their lives. Jesus is not saying that his disciples have no obligation to family, as we can see in his condemnation of the Pharisees who were neglecting their sacred obligations to their parents in Mark chapter 7 and verses 9 through 13. He said to them, All too well you reject the commandment of God that you may keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother. And he who curses father and mother, let him be put to death. But you say, if a man says to his father and mother, whatever profit you might have received from me is Corbin, that is a gift to God, then you no longer let him do anything for his father or his mother, making the word of God of no effect through your tradition which you have handed down, and many such things you do. And 1 Timothy 5.8 says, But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, He has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Jesus must come first in every aspect of our lives, home, job, recreation. We cannot give up our commitment to him in any of these areas, but we must do his will in all of them. Christ's authority needs to be above all earthly authority. In verse 27 of our text this evening, it explains that each one of us is expected to bear our own cross. It is a requirement that no one else can fulfill for us. Self-sacrifice is one of the most important traits of Jesus' disciples. No one else could do for Jesus what he did in carrying out the Father's will, and no one can do for us what we must do in carrying out our Lord's will. Jesus also makes it clear that cross-bearing is voluntary. This does not include physical illness or burdens or obligations that occur normally in life, but it is a decision that we make by ourselves to endure pain and sacrifice for the cause of Christ. Jesus carried his cross. We must carry ours. The third and final part of our lesson this evening is the counting. Before people decide to commit themselves to Christ, they need to count the cost. Before wise people commit themselves to a costly decision, they will consider whether they can carry it out to completion. We can see this in our own uh, time, in our own um, neighborhoods. When you go down a certain street sometimes, you will see a home that a builder has started to build. And you'll say, boy, that looks nice. I'll be, you know, you'll be looking for that when it's completed. And three, four months later, you drive by, and it's still there. And all that's up is the structure of two-by-fours, or perhaps the foundation is there. And there's nothing been built upon the foundation. And why is that? Because the builder did not count the cost. Jesus knew that his popularity was only temporary and that many in the crowds who followed him were not really committed to sharing his noble purpose. Jesus wanted the multitudes to stop and think, to count the cost of following him. Every wise builder counts the cost before he begins to build. Every wise king or wise leader calculates his military strength before he declares war. To count the cost of doing anything includes taking enough time, to understand fully what one is undertaking. This might be a great lesson for those of today who are about to enter into holy Holy matrimony. Count the cost. Do you really and sincerely feel like this is what you want to do with your life? Seeking wise, um, the wisdom of those in the congregation is often a great way to decide what you want to do in your life, Sarah and Sam, before they married, they went and they talked to Lonnie and Ann and they talked to two or three other couples and Mr. Potter about getting married and what it was going to be like. What did they need to know? What surprises would be on the horizon? Of course, they couldn't, you know, they couldn't foresee everything that was going to take place. But in order to do something important in your life, you should seek the wisdom of brothers and sisters in Christ, that you have the resources right here in the pews of all these years of wisdom. So why don't our kids come to us more, our children in our congregation, and seek our wisdom? They need to know that. They need to know that they should come to us. It will save them years of tears. To become a true disciple means taking time to study God's word which will have a definite effect on our will and our our intelligence. Our decision should not be based on our emotional state. Our choice to follow Christ should not be the impulse of the moment because once we become his disciple, then our Heavenly Father, our Lord, and the Holy Spirit become our focus. Their purpose becomes our purpose. The person who makes the decision to follow Christ and then discovers it is too difficult to carry it out, and then they give up, not only brings shame to themselves, but it hurts the cause of Christ. If the Christian soldier and builder is apt to shy away from the cost involved in building up of one's spiritual life and warfare against Satan, it would be better for that person not to begin building or risk the war, spiritually speaking. There is no step that any person can take which is comparable in importance with that which is taken when a person is buried in the water grave of baptism, when they are immersed. But that is just the beginning of the Christian walk. Every person must earnestly inquire and sincerely study until they understand what it means to have a living faith in Jesus Christ. How many times have you seen a young person and sometimes of an adult, but often it's a young person. They'll be baptized. And a, a lot of times later we realize it was strictly on emotion. They felt they needed to do it. They were getting a, to a certain age, and it had to be done. Their parents expected of them. The congregation expected it of them. And so they were baptized. And what happened years later? They went away from the faith. They withdrew from their service to the Lord. It's such a shame, but emotions often are what drives young people and they end up regretting it. Each person must look at the facts honestly, while at the same time not forgetting the promises of strength along the way. God would not have us act in ignorance or misconception. We must make Christ first in all we do. All we have is God's, no matter what we decide to do with it. This evening, we've taken a hard look at discipleship. Each one of us is in our particular place, in our discipleship. Are we giving him our best? Are we doing his will? Only you can answer those questions for yourself. I have to answer for mine. Are we truly committed to Jesus? This evening, you may have decided follow Jesus. I know almost everyone in here and I know that you have been immersed. But you are a brother or sister in Christ and you're here and maybe the lesson tonight has stirred something within you and you want to recommit your life this evening. If that is your need then we want to know that this evening so we can pray for you and we can support you in any way. Whatever your need is this evening. Won't you let us know what that is, is together we stand and sing our hymn of invitation.